It's a humbling thing being here today. Eighteen months after Dr. Falwell is gone to heaven, this place is still zinging and going full blast. About a year, about a few months ago, I came to up here on the mountain. We attended church. We heard Jonathan. I declared, Jonathan, you are better than your dad. So good to see you. Jerry, thank you for inviting me today. Mesa, God bless you. May he give you many years of good health. Elmer, thank you, my friend, for being my friend all these years. And I can go on and say thank you for all of you who have supported this university and the work of God in this place. If you notice my accent, of course, I am an immigrant that I came to America 1950, September 8th. I have, I couldn't speak English. The first language I learned was the French alphabet. So I learned the Arabic later. And then later on, of course, I had to learn the English. I learned it at the age of 19 after I came to America. But at the age of 10, Hitler was bombing the city of Beirut. And he said he was going to have Christmas in Jerusalem in 1940 and a New Year's party in Beirut. He never got to do it. But he did do a lot of damage. A few months later, we moved from the mountain where we were hiding and we came down to the city of Beirut, back to our home. And there where I found a bunch of GIs in Jeeps walking, driving around. And prices of things had come down considerably. I said to myself, at 10 years old, someday I'm going to come to America. I kept my promise at the age of 19. I was able to come. And when I landed in New York City, I want you to know I had, I had a vocabulary of about 500 words, which I had learned over two, three months. Words like come, big, fast, hot, cold, stuff like this. And I was trying to make sentences. And I was excited about coming to this great country. And I've always heard, being coming from a third world at that time, I heard that America, the capitalistic capital of the world, exaggerate things. In other words, we speak evangelistically about America. Well, they say there's a story building about 110 story high. I couldn't believe this. I said, that's, that's not real. So when I came that night, I said, I want to see the Empire State Building. So I came down on 38th Street, went up to the 5th Avenue, and then came down by the Empire State Building. Lo and behold, here this little fellow looking at this tall skyscraper. I couldn't count it all, so I divided it in half, and I counted down about 50 stories. I said, crazy Americans, here I am in the land of plenty. Well, as you know, that night I was still hungry. I hadn't had any supper at 10 o'clock. So I went down the street and I saw the sign sandwich. I said, sandwich, that's a French word, you know, and it's very easy. So I stood in the line and I saw these hot dogs being rolled around. And I knew what the word hot meant, what the word dog meant. And I said, people saying for hot dog. I said, crazy Americans, you know. 
not me. The guy said, what do you want? I said, Coca-Cola. <laughs> That's my supper that night. Well, later on, of course, I had to learn a lot about America. I came to Columbia, and I had $600. And the $600 didn't last very long, even in 1950. By the end of April, my money was dragging. I didn't have any cash. I was pumping gas in a shell station at 50 cents an hour. And then working cleaning floors at the colonial food stores for 75 cents an hour. I thought I was rich. But I knew by May I was still broke and didn't have any money. And I have a verse that said in Philippians 4.19, God said, shall supply all your need. I got on my knees. I said, Lord, you said you will supply all my need. Here I am. I'm broke. When are you going to do it? My dad said the only money he'll send is a check to come home. And the only way he'll do it is a ticket to come home. I told him, don't worry, God is going to send the money. He laughed at me. Well, I was kind of discouraged. I saw a sign on the board, earn $100 a week. Hmm, 100 a week. I like to shake the hand of the guy who makes 100 a week. So I go to the student interview and I see about seven, eight kids gathering around a guy selling, having Bible, a Bible storybook and a cookbook and a dictionary. I sit down and the guy made a presentation and he tried to hire some of these guys. And I asked him, how much money you made? He said, 2,100. Hmm. And the other guy, 2,600. I said, you think I can make 2,000? He said, of course you can. How much you have to work? He said, 80 hours a week. I said, man, I'll work more than that if I can make it. So here an immigrant who couldn't speak English six months ago, he couldn't spell salesman. Now he's trying to go to sales school to be a salesman. Well, the first week was a tough week. I made $19. At the end of the week, the boss said, son, if you don't do better than that, we're going to have to let you go. I started to tell him, if you, I don't, you don't have to worry. But I kept my mouth shut. At the end of the second week, I made $71. The third week, I made $141. And at the end of the summer, I saved $2,735. Well, you know, this is a lot of money for a boy from the old country who couldn't speak English about a year ago and barely can get by now. So... Naturally, I paid my tuition, room, and board at Columbia, which was $985. And I had about $1,700 left. Well, you know what young men want? Wheels. So, <laughs> freedom, huh? <laughs> well, I had a little bike, which was dilapidated and used. I paid 10 bucks for it. So, I go to the Chevrolet place. Those days, we didn't have the Honda, the Nissan, and all those nice foreign cars. So the Chevrolet had the 150, the 210, and the Bel Air. And I asked the man, I need a car, cheap car, under 2000 He said, well, the 150 sells for 2200 I said, you have anything less? He said, yeah, I have a demonstrator. It has 5,000 miles. We'll let you have it for 1900 So... I said, but I don't have 1900 Well, how much you have, son? I said, 1700 Where is it? What bank? 
I said, oh, in my pocket. <laughs> 17. He took me to the sales manager. The sales manager took me to the owner, Mr. Love. And Mr. Love said, son, how did you make this money? I said, sir, would you like to know? He said, of course. So I ran to my bike. I brought my sample case, and I showed him this big Bible that sold for $30 at the time. And he said, how did you make all this money? I said, sir, I work very hard. And I showed him how he can find things in the Bible. He said, I want five. I never sold five to anybody. My knees trembling, and hand trembling, I signed five. And he said, I want six Bible storybooks for my grandchildren. I put six. And then one cookbook for the wife. I said, oh, the praise the Lord. You know, so I was writing. <laughs> and then he looked at the sales manager, and he same thing. He bought and the salesman, another salesman, a bunch of secretaries. Boy, I'll tell you, I was on cloud nine. At the end, the man said to me, son, this car doesn't have a radio. Don't you like American music? I said, of course, but that's all I could afford. He said, I want, you to, I want to give you a radio. I hope you'll accept it. And tears came down. He put his arm around me. He said, we're glad to have you in America. I want to tell you, I felt 10 feet tall. That's America. It's the home of the immigrants. It's the home that opened doors to people who will work hard and try to make it. Well, Later on, I started this little company, like Mr. Falwell was saying, and then God began to bless the business. And one day, I heard the old-time gospel hour, and lo and behold, Dr. Falwell was speaking. And he was, naturally, if you know Dr. Falwell, he always uh, tried to raise money for the school and for different projects. <laughs> one time, we were in a board meeting, and somebody sent a verse, and it says, and the beggar died. And we all laughed at Dr. Falwell. He wasn't afraid to beg for money for the school, for the children, for the university, and for the cause of Christ. So I came up with a big print Bible. I said, Dr. Falwell, this Bible, he opened the Bible first, and he couldn't believe it. He said, I can read this without my glasses. And... He wouldn't even let me finish. I started telling him how good it was, this and that. He said, how much? Finally, I told him, he said, I want 50,000. I said, I, sh I shook my hands. I scratched my head. I said, 50,000. He told me how he's going to get so much money, $10 a month for every, for every Bible. Well, I was scared to make all 50,000. I printed the 50,000, Jerry. But... I bound only 25. And I said, if things go worse, I can tear up the front page and take the old-time gospel hour and then put another name and then we can continue. But sure, lo and behold, not only he sold all the 50, he sold another 50. And that, that, that was the beginning, my relationship with Dr. Falwell. We became friends. We traveled together to many places. And I was on the board, the old-time gospel hour, I remember what the school was named, the Lynchburg, University, Lynchburg Baptist College. And later on, he saw this big, beautiful mountain where we are here. And he wanted the mountains. Jerry Falwell was a man of faith. 
I have never seen a man like Jerry Falwell. He loved God from his head down to his toes. And he loved souls. He put that pen on me in his own hand. And he said, Jesus first. I had a little old, darker one, rustier, cheaper one. He said, Sam, this is gold-plated. Now, I want you to keep it on. And I kept it now for over 15 years as a souvenir from Dr. Jerry Falwell. Well, about uh, 20 years ago, before Mr. Reagan was elected president, he was speaking in Nashville, Tennessee, for the printers' associations. There were about six, 700 printers from all over Tennessee, southern Kentucky, and north uh, Alabama. And he was so great and so wonderful. I went afterward to the man who manages the things for him. His name, Mike Deaver. I said, Mr. Deaver, will Mr. Reagan come back and speak for the college kids? He said, of course. How many you have? I saw him about 500. That's the banquet we have for kids who do well with their parents. They come and we invite other important people. And he told me how much money. It wasn't a great amount of money. So I said, yes. So he came and he spent the weekend with us. We had a wonderful time with this beautiful, humble man who was the governor of California twice. And now he's running for president of the United States. He said to me, Sam, what does it take for me to get the evangelical and the conservative to vote for me? I said, Mr. Reagan, three things. He said, what are they? I said, one, you have to tell us if you believe the Bible. He said, I do. I said, second, you have to tell us if you are born again. He said, I do. And third, he said, I said, what is it? I said, you have to promise if you elected president, you will not nominate anyone to the Supreme Court who believes in abortion. He said, I don't believe in abortion. And he said, what do I have to do? I said, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll bring few leaders from the evangelical world and let you talk to them and tell them that. Well, we met at the Hilton in California, in Bel Air. And he came. There were about 25 of us. Dr. Falwell was right on the front. Adrian Rogers. W.A. Criswell, a um, bunch of others, and, uh, and he told us what he believed. And that evening, we had dinner at the home of Mr. and Mrs. Reagan, and Nancy Reagan served us meal. And I want you to know, Dr. Falwell stood and he said, Mr. President, if you really believe like you said you believe, I will speak to every Baptist preacher in America and I will enroll as many voters as I can, more than one million, to vote for, for, for you under those conditions. And I want you to know Dr. Falwell at that time started the moral majority. And the moral majority became a powerhouse to elect conservative biblical values back to America and bring them back. And I've never seen a man working so hard, so strong, on behalf of the conservative cause and biblical causes like Dr. Falwell. Well, Mr. Reagan was elected, thank God, not once but twice. 
And then Dr. Falwell had a ball picking on him occasionally and going up to the White House and what have you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you this. In America, we all have opportunities as well as we have setbacks. Many times I wanted to make an A on an exam. Sometimes I studied hard. I come back and I look at Dr. Towns and he had made an A and I, may, I pulled the C. I said, how do you do it? But you see, sometimes, I don't know how many times he made a C and I made an A, but I don't made it many times. But what you have to do is you cannot quit. Dr. Falwell used to say, you just can't quit. When you quit is when you lose. And that's what opportunity is all about, is you cannot quit. Now, many of you are seniors, and you are leaving this beautiful campus, and you're going to get a job, and you're going to face the cruel world. And some of it is not very nice, I'll tell you. There's a lot of cheating, a lot of crookedness, a lot of evil. But you've been here in this institution now, some of you four years, some of you even a little longer. Well, you say, Sam, what do I have to do to be successful? Just recently, I read a book. It's the, uh, it's the, the book is Bulletproof Your Job. Four simple strategies, how to ride out the rough times and come out on top at work. And these four things are, one is you have to be visible when you get a job. You can't sit in a corner and hide. If you do, the first bump in the business world, you will wind up without a job or the first cut. You have to show to the boss that you care about what you're doing. You love the job and you support it. The second one is be easy. You know, some of you are crybabies. Some of us are crybabies. You know, we can never be happy. We always say, you know, this is long, short, this meal not hot, this is not good, this is bad. You know, it's hard to live with crybaby. What you have to do is be easy to get along with as you face in your first job. The third thing is be useful. That is going the extra mile beyond and above. You need to go the extra mile. Some people, you know, they just do the job, only what they have to do to get by. We had a maid, and boy, all she does is just vacuum around, whoop, 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 and that. And then she doesn't do all the corners. She doesn't move the chairs around. Then we got another maid. And boy, it was a different story. She liked to work for Peggy, that's my wife. And she moves the chairs around, she dusts nicely, she keeps the place clean and impeccable. What? Well, she's useful. She, is, she enjoys working with us, for us. And 
fourth is be ready. You know, some people work from eight to five. One after five. You know what happened? Whoop, they're gone. Put a little extra time in your effort. Don't work eight to five. Show that you are interested in your work. I'll tell you, when I finished reading this book, I said, I just wish I read it long, long time ago when I was in your seat. I would have saved me a lot of headache. But this is life, ladies and gentlemen, is can you make it in the cruel world as you go? With God's help, with Jesus on your side, you know what? You cannot help but carry it on. Now, I'm very grateful to be with you today. I'm so thankful about Dr. Falwell for what he has done for America. This morning, Duke Westover, who was so kind to pick me up yesterday and going back all the way, I asked him, Let's, we want to visit the grave. And we went by the grave of Dr. Falwell. And uh, I stood there and went by the office. And I've been to that office several times, and I couldn't, stand, I couldn't stop but just crying a little. Went down by the saying that he used to say, and how wonderful it was just to visit a man of God who had built this great university, these beautiful sons, and that beautiful daughter, that Jenny. God bless them all three. May your tribes increase, my friend. God bless you. Thank you for what you're doing, for God, for his kingdom, and for this university. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, nothing can be hidden from your face. This morning I ask that you will be with every one of these students. Give them the power and the strength to carry on and be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.